All right. So, Jeff, I had an interesting experience a couple weeks ago. I went and saw the movie Sonic 2, and I saw the first one in 4DX, which is that dumb theme park technology that you can get at the movies. Then when the movie started and the Marvel logo started running, and we said, that's really strange. Pretty sure Sonic the Hedgehog is not a Marvel character. Uh, and then the Morpheus title comes up, and everyone, everyone in the theater is like, oh, oh God, oh, no. Eventually they figure it out. They turn off the movie. But I guess for technical reasons, they can't just start the next movie. We got to watch the previews again. And the kids inside are chanting, Sonic, Sonic, Sonic. The, tra- the trailers start playing again, but I think the seats were still going through the Morpheus programming. So throughout the trailers that we were watching, it was randomly throwing us around and blasting air at us and uh, like misting our faces and tickling our legs a little bit at random inappropriate intervals. And every time a trailer comes on that we've already seen, the kids just start booing and chanting Sonic louder and louder and it's becoming chaotic. We're all getting thrown around and everyone's grumpy and panicky and trying to figure out if things are going to fix themselves by the time this movie starts. And then it, uh, you can feel the, the seats reset and start the Sonic thing. And then I had a great time watching the movie, and so did all those kids. Fantastic. Uh, maybe the most enjoyable 15 minutes in the movie theater I ever had w- with those trailers and the kids chanting Sonic. Well, this was a little long-winded. We might have to cut some of this. Yeah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> okay, yeah, you do the intro then. I want to do one next week. I, I, I want to say it at some point. The intro? Yeah, absolutely. Do your thing, buddy. Welcome to episode six of 90 Schmaltz, where two guys do a belly flop on the shows we grew up watching, from after-school specials, TGI Friday, and Saturday morning cartoons. We talk about nostalgia, bad acting, and why these shows were radical. You can find us at www.90schmaltz.cool, or alternatively, wherever else we decide to upload. I'm Ned. I'm Jeff. Um, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm, I'm good. I can see the, the arms coming out of one of my tadpoles. They all got legs now, and one of them looks like he's getting a really good jawline, but in the right light, you can see that it's elbows under there causing it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's terrifying to watch. I'm looking forward to uh, Eurovision Finals, not to be too topical in our uh, in our podcast, but... Well, you know, Eurovision is on the schedule, but I'm pretty sure frogs sprouting their front legs is probably a very specific time of year, too, so I think I'm being topical as well. Yeah, but at least we talked about frogs last week. Yeah, it's true. Well, all right. Today we woke up in the morning, and the alarm gave out warning. And we're talking about Saved by the Bell. It's all right, because I'm Saved by the Bell. Jeff, what does it mean to be Saved by the Bell? Yeah, dial it back. Jeff, what does it mean to be Saved by the Bell? I don't know, but I know you're going to tell me. (laughs) I always assumed, if hearing the phrase, it being about school, I assume that means you get to class before being late. Or, no, it would be the opposite, right? That the teacher hasn't asked for the homework yet, and it's getting near the end, and you didn't do it. And then you're just watching and waiting, for, and the bell rings, and now you got away with it. You got time. Uh, okay, yeah. I, I always thought of it as a boxing thing, right? You're in the match. You're holding on, and uh, um, you're barely holding on, and then the bell rings, and you get that moment of relief. I think that's the actual origin of the term, from what I can find. There's a popular 
belief, uh, you know, folk etymology on the internet that it's about those coffins with bells and a little tube with a string so you could pull on it if you get buried alive. Buried alive, yeah, like back in the day. Oh, man. Yeah, but that's not true, oh. evidently. Or coffins are maybe maybe like one particular rich old guy's thing than a, than an actual widespread institution. You probably ran out of oxygen before you came back to consciousness anyway. Yeah. God, yeah, they dig you up, and it's only to find out you are actually dead now. Yeah. And, uh, what, a, what a hassle. All that work. You just hear the bell, you're like, just wait 10 minutes. It'll sort itself out. Yeah. Because the undertaker, the, the grave digger, is not giving a crap. Yeah, you don't think the graveyard keeper is particularly worried? No, I doubt it. And he's got to deal with ghosts left, right, and center. So you got to be a hard, hard man. There's zombies. And grave robbers. Uh, witches, demons. Hellhounds. Ghouls. But we're talking about Saved by the Bell. Draculas. Yes, we're talking about Saved by the Bell. The American television high school sitcom centered around a group of high school friends and their principal. The series was a lighthearted comedy that did touch on more serious topics at times, such as drug use, death, DUIs, and... Uh, environmental issues uh the series first aired in primetime august 20th 1989 uh the series ran for four seasons uh totaling 86 episodes uh, and in here for this podcast we are excluding miss bliss though we will touch on it i actually want to talk about it a fair bit <laughs> oh all right well if it's in your notes let's let's get on with it because i i know it's the precursor right we get the pilot then we get a retold miss bliss then we get a retooled say by the bell and then we get Whatever comes afterwards. Spinoffs. Well, let's talk about Miss Pliss. Miss Pliss's golden rule number one. Try your best. Good Morning, Miss Bliss is the title of the series. It was inspired by then-president of NBC's Brandon Tartikoff, his sixth-grade teacher, Miss Bliss. And a pilot was produced that centered around Haley Mills, who is a prolific 60s child actor that you probably know her. The parent trap. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly you know the the person who played twins before Lindsay Lohan did it, but she's in a lot of things. I didn't even realize. I don't know what half of the movies are, but there are a bunch of these. Yeah, she has plenty of credits. And the pilot had several people I recognized: Jaleel White, Steve Urkel himself, and Sonic the Hedgehog, Jonathan Brandis, who you've seen around and you'd know might know him by sight, but he was in a Sequest DSV and movie Sidekicks and a bunch of other things. And Brian Austin Green, who I didn't look up what he was in, but he is evidently an actor too. The show wasn't picked up by NBC even before the pilot aired, and Jeff and I did watch the pilot. We did. We found one with the perfect 90s commercials. Well, late 80s commercials or early 90s. Yeah, late 80s. It would have been 87, I think. Yeah, something like that. This is talking about, yeah, so let's talk about, I mean, we should mention the time. This was in 87, 88. The show started. The pilot was produced. The show wasn't picked up by NBC even before the pilot. But Tartikoff made a deal with Disney Channel for 13 episodes with the option of adding like a full 50 more episodes. The series was retooled from the pilot and it moved from 6th grade to 8th grade and added Zach Morris, Lisa and Screech and Mr. Belding. Actually, Mr. Belding was in the pilot, but they changed it to the actor that would eventually play Mr. Belding throughout the series. Uh, The show did poorly and wasn't renewed. NBC reclaimed the rights and managed to retool it into Saved by the Bell, the show we all know. When they took the show and retooled it, what they were looking for was to keep 10 to 12-year-olds from falling off the network because they had kids shows that were doing decently, but there was a gap between their adult sitcoms, and the goal was to transition 
children from cartoons and Saturday mornings and afternoons into primetime programming. So we watched the pilot of Miss Bliss, and I think we each watched the first episode as well. We can just talk about that real quick. Uh, I mean, the tonal change just in general from pilot to full series, you can feel the difference. Acting change, even for Haley, she goes from being really kind of whiny to a little dialed back in the actual series. Yeah. Haley Mills in it is, seems like a strange choice. She seems like she's acting in an early 70s sitcom against everyone else who seems to be acting in a late 80s sitcom. And she's so out of place for Indianapolis, where this is supposed to take place. Yeah, they never explain why she's a, a person who sounds like Mary Poppins, but lives in Indianapolis. Oh, and she only has a husband for, for 22 minutes. Yeah, she has a, pi- a husband in the pilot, and then by episode one of the series, she is a widow. And she must have been with that guy for like two months before he died, because she comes back in the September in the pilot and says, oh, I just got married. Surprise, everyone. And then... Season one of the show, she's a widow now. I mean, I guess to be fair, if we think about it, maybe she moved on up anyway. So it's a brand new school year. So maybe he died somewhere in the school year. So maybe he lasted like two years. Yeah. Because it was fourth grade for the pilot. And then we get the full retool. It was sixth grade. Sixth grade. You're right. And then we're in eighth grade for the series on Disney. But so we watched an episode and... Unfortunately, even in the pilot, too, it's pretty much just Miss Bliss is talking about her relationships. Everything she's talking about is related to men and dating and relationships. Uh, that's like her plot line and everything. And then there's a kid plot line that happens that's better in both the pilot and the first episode we watched. So it, it makes sense that they would cut her out in a retool. Yeah, 100%. I mean, she literally fixes whatever happens during the episode for the kid, right? In a two and a half to three minute monologue, practically. And then, you know... Where they come to her house and then she tells them, sets them straight. That's it. And then we move on and it really doesn't work. It's just show. It's safe to say it was... It didn't do well on the Disney Channel. It didn't do well in general. And uh, after watching it, I can understand why. Because it's certainly no save by the bell. Brandon Tartikoff, the NBC president who oversaw this solid series of hits on NBC. He oversaw the Cosby show, which, uh, man, too bad. I mean, if we take everything out of the equation, you know, from current events, that Cosby show still completely. It was really important, too. It's it was important as solidifying black sitcoms, too. I mean, that was America's dad. It led to what? Uh, a different a different world, a different world in living color. Uh, and a couple other things have are all come directly out of the success of the Cosby show. So Miami Vice, which apparently spawned from a memo he wrote where he just at night at one point wrote really big MTV cops and sent that to a guy. And then we got Miami Vice out of it. Knight Rider, where he evidently in noticing that many handsome leading men were not actually great at acting, said, what if the car talks and takes some of the pressure off the actor? Well, it worked and it worked family ties, night court and I think Jerry Seinfeld credits him with saving the show Seinfeld when it stumbled out of the gate. Uh, so those are all pretty good. Yeah, I mean, that's some that's some big stuff right there. I'd, I'd be happy with that CV. And I can't find reliable information on when it happened, but Miss Bliss was at some point added into like the syndicated reruns of Saved by the Bell, where they added intros with Zach Morris talking about how it was his eighth grade days or something. On all the streaming services, that's pretty much season one is Miss Bliss. And I think... If I had been watching, if I had been scrolling the channels and saying, and found a rerun of Saved by the Bell and said, Dell, that sounds great. I'll put that on. And I got an episode of Miss Bliss. I think I would have remembered that happening because it, it probably would have, I think it would have been jarring. Even now it's vastly different show. Yeah, I don't, I, 
for, for the sake of the show, we're definitely not combining the two of these things together. So I'm sure I'd remember, because I watched most Saved by the Bell in reruns, because I think it was on UPN or something in the mornings. It was one of those before school, reliably before school, 6 a.m. I did not watch this television show. I didn't. I, this was not something that I can remember watching, enjoying. I don't even remember all these characters, I guess. I think the the pop culture reference is about all I ever got out of this. I definitely watched it. I think I caught it occasionally on its original run, but it was for me it was a rerun. Certain rerun time slot that it fell into that was very convenient for me and must have been with something else I liked because I usually if I would find a channel about every month or two find a channel before school that I could turn on without having to actually actively watch. Now we do have VHSs. Wonderful. I'm so glad to hear it. I've been disappointed at how few of these things have VHSs, honestly. There's a there's a couple. I don't have the exact number of VHS releases. Um, I do have uh, where I saw a couple of them. One set released by Good Time Home Video in 1993. And if anybody remembers, this is the home video company that would release their own productions countering Disney, like of Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast. It's public domain, baby. <laughs> it, I mean, it definitely is public domain, all of those stories. The VHS for this, they would contain two episodes. Um, the one that I have here to read the back off is volume one, and it contains season one, episode 15, King of the Hill, and season one, episode one, Dancing to the Max. But from what the back says, episode 15 is the first air on the VHS, and episode one is second. Interesting choice. I wonder what led them to to make that decision. I guess but. just to to have it on there. I'm not really sure, but it's a maybe it had the best Nielsen. It's ratings. a fantastic box. It's super 90s. The colors are spot on for all of that. Um, the front is Saved by the Bell. It's got the five. I mean the six kids on the front. It says Welcome to California's hippest high school. And then at the bottom, two of the best episodes from NBC's top-rated series. On the back, it's just a breakdown of the two episodes. It gives you who it's starring, and then it says King of the Hill, uh, originally created to air as the pilot show. Slater arrives at Bayside High and gives Zach competition for Kelly. I guess this is the pilot for Saved by the Bell itself, like the new rehash, I guess, is what they're referring to. That's interesting, because King of the Hill, I mean, maybe it was filmed that way, right? And then Dancing to the Max, a dance contest at the Max Creates Chaos as the gang chooses partners. Who will be paired for the contest? Who will dance? Who can't dance? Who will end up with Screech? Who will end up with Screech? And we can pause there for a second. It's weird, isn't it? The whole way that the the thing is broken down. It is. And everything that I found is King of the Hell is the later. Yeah, that's interesting. King of the Hill is the later show. I'm looking. I'm looking at it right now, though. But it's it's this episode follows the gang on the first day of high school at Bayside, so it's a prequel episode. So something that came, they just kind of throw it in as like a throwback. I guess, yeah, and maybe it was the. I mean, let's we can we can find that out, right? Let me. Uh... It's the. I mean, everything that I had read is also it states that this was the pilot episode post Good Morning Bliss. So this was the pilot for Saved by the Bell, the retooling. Yeah. Okay. So they just they rolled it in. So that's interesting. I think that's interesting, yeah. I think that's a good way of doing it, honestly, to put in some brackets of Zach Morris explaining that it's the first time he met Slater or something like that, yeah. I don't like him already. Yeah, because, I mean, he does do the talk to the camera where we can get that extra information. Yeah, he does the uh, the old Ferris Bueller fourth wall break that every cool high school 
guy does. To be fair, he's really not that cool in those first season. I, I don't know if he's ever really that cool. He's conniving. <laughs> There's a lot of a lot of ink has been spilled on the internet about just how bad a person Zach Morris is, but because Slater's the cool kid. Slater is the cool kid. But I guess then it does make sense why Zach is friends with Screech. Well, the cool guy's always like uh he's got his friends. Because Ferris Bueller's the coolest guy in school, like, right? Yeah, but Ferris Bueller's not hanging out with anybody who's, you know, Screech. But he's hanging out with Cameron who's kind of a kind of a smat a spaz, but he's is his loyal friend. It's the trope of like he's not the coolest guy necessarily, but he's like the leader. He's the one who's in charge. He's the the smart one. Well, it's usually they're like the most charismatic, not necessarily like so they can pull off whatever they try, even if even though they're screwing up all the time, everyone just laughs it off. Right. I mean, that's his whole that's his whole shtick is he comes up with the plan. Yeah. And I think they send him to Yale at the end or whatever, because in the reboots, right, he's governor I, of California <laughs> or something like that. Well, he ends up going to well the episode we watched. Yeah, he's, he says he's going to Yale, and I looked it up, and apparently he got a fifteen twenty on his SATs. Well, my dear, which seems unbelievable given the other things we watch in this series, which is that he does not care about uh, like he's not secretly smart. He's just motivated at the right times, but that's still not going to get you fifteen twenty on the SATs if you can't pass a a history test. Absolutely not. But he's he's conniving enough to probably have somebody else take the test for him. Yeah, he probably cheated and succeeded for that one. Well, this would explain why he becomes the governor of California. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have a job to do for the people of California. But ultimately, they all go to Cal University. And maybe we should move this discussion to the episode discussion. But That's fair. Let, let's move on to the second part of the VHS. I did find there was another, a three-episode VHS distributed by Vidmark Trimark. Um, you may know that name. They brought us Warlock, Leprechaun, and Going Overboard, if anybody remembers that one. Adam Sandler's first movie. I love Warlock. That's one of my favorite movies. I do love Warwick <laughs> Davis and Leprechaun. <laughs> it's though. me. I'm a Leprechaun, my dear. Give me my gold. <laughs> um, I am completely unsure of what episodes they contained. If I was going off of the reviews on Amazon for this specific VHS, they said something about it's mostly college years. So I would assume that they're later um, Saved by the Bell, maybe like the series that come after the what we're talking about right now. I looked up Going Overboard by Adam Sandler. Yeah. Uh, this is the lowest IMDb rating I have ever seen. Yes, it is. It's miserable. It's a 1.8 out of 10. That's really something. I'm going to tell my Plex server to download this movie right now. But that's a fine slate of VHS releases, especially compared to some of the other things we've seen. I think Exosquad had its, uh, its full first season. And other than that, we've kind of struck out with vhs's haven't we we have there was no nightman there was no recess gargoyles had some like exosquad did the first season was packaged exosquad and gargoyles had in common that they were doing that continuity thing so they got those releases but and the other things we watched maybe were too late because you know people were watching stuff on cable instead of buying vhs's probably at that point i don't know economic forces maybe yeah maybe we also are only on episode six i thought for sure that recess would have some vhs's out there all right, so the show was broadcast mostly on Saturday mornings. First three episodes, though, were on like a Sunday, a Monday, and a Wednesday. And the only thing, I couldn't find any information about why, but the only thing I could, my speculation is that they wanted people to see it and then draw them to the Saturday morning. Because I think NBC typically had a pretty bad Saturday morning. And so by giving people a show to get excited about it and tune in they could build around it which is what they eventually did was build a tnbc teen nbc where they had seven or eight shows 
that Saved by the Bell was clearly the most successful of and was propping up the rest of them. As for what else you could be watching on these Saturday mornings. What else could you be watching? Uh, December 1990, I found a TV guide where there were two episodes of Saved by the Bell. It was an 11, 11, 30 time slot. And against it was Captain Planet, Bill and Ted's Adventure, Excellent Adventures. TV guide just said Bill and Ted's Adventures. So maybe that's like an editorial that it didn't believe that it was truth in advertising to call them excellent. That's the, the cartoon television? Correct. This is not the live action show of the same name that only lasted seven episodes. Both of these I'd love to get to at some point because I love these movie garbage tie-ins. Also against this was Pee-wee's Playhouse. And on Nickelodeon was Double Dare and Think Fast. So I think that's probably what I would have been watching. Yeah, Double Dare for sure. Think Fast was all right. That's Mike O'Malley. Um, Saved by the Bell, produced by Peter Engel Productions and distributed by Reicher Entertainment. It was a multi-camera show created by Sam Bobrick. Uh, he was also the writer on a bunch of comedy shows from the 60s and 70s uh, and into the early 80s, early 80 to mid 80s. Uh, we're talking Andy Griffith Show, Gomer Pilot USMC, Get Smart, Dick Van Dyke Show, uh, ABC's Comedy Hour, Tim Conway Comedy Hour. That's all good stuff. It is great stuff. I find that, I, I mean, really, Hollywood was almost a smaller world. I guess we already knew that, right? Yeah. Before the invention of the internet. Yeah. Now it's a little bit broader and there's just things everywhere. But before that, everybody was working on the same thing together. And, you know, you might go to school with somebody or work on a show, previous show, make friends, and you bring them with you. Yeah, you just call up your, your old buddies and stuff. Uh, music by Scott Gale and Rick Ames. Scott Gale, he worked on 86 episodes. He's the composer in All Saved by the Bell uh, and Good Morning, Miss Bliss. He was also music coordinator for Soap, Blossom, Golden Girls. Rick Ames, 53 episodes. He was also Herman's Head, uh, oh, yeah. a television show, sort of like Inside Out, if anybody has know that. I know of it. The theme song for Saved by the Bell was composed by Scott Gale uh, and performed by Michael Damon. It's pretty good. It's a, it's a, it's a memorable one, for sure. It leaves you with that uh, feeling. You're going into the episode pretty excited about it because of... It's pretty simple as far as like it's it's hummable. It's an earworm. It's an earworm. We have our main cast. Zach Morris played by Mark Paul Gossier. 86 episodes. We know him from this television show. But he also played in Hyperion Bay where he plays a nerd instead of the cool kid. Uh, NYPD Blue, uh, Franklin and Bash. AC Slater, played by Mario Lopez. Again, we know Mario Lopez from uh, Saved by the Bell. But he was also a dancer, drummer on Kids Incorporated, Walk On for Golden Girls, and I remember that episode. Uh, Pacific Blue, he was in The Bold and the Beautiful. And host of Pet Star, which is uh, it's like Star Search, but for your pets. He did a lot of host work uh that i think we might come around to some of this stuff i really would love to do some game shows and master of the maze is one that i have a great deal of affection for that he hosted samuel screech powers played by dustin diamond appears in 86 episodes of saved by the bell but he's also the only actor and a slash character to show up in every single episode of every saved by the bell format except for the pilot of miss bliss uh, and what about the modern Oh, I I didn't even take the modern one into consideration. Everything that came out, you know, post-90s, not rebooted, uh, he shows up as a character. Got it. 
Yeah, so we should. I mean, let's just say, except for the modern reboot, uh, he never really found a consistent footing in like any reoccurring roles past Save by the Bell. Uh, but he had plenty of walk-ons on just a, a multitude of things, and uh, he did continue on with the stand-up. Yeah, he got in one of those positions of being kind of one of those celebrities that kind of bottom of the barrel celebrity culture really likes to hate on and dredge up these things. He kind of got involved in all that c-list celebrity gross stuff and probably not his fault that he got there but i remember there was a lot of weird gross stuff happening in the 2000s uh surrounding him well you mean like his sex tape and yeah all the nonsense yeah just and, kind of that gross and then he did i mean he passed away yeah he passed away two, just two years ago yeah to cancer yeah lisa turtle played by lark Voorhees. she appears in 86 episodes she also appeared on Days of Our Lives. This is our Star Trek, Star Trek connection. I'm glad you found one here. You had to really scrape for this one. I did. I was worried we weren't going to have a Star Trek I'm connection. I'm proud of you. Uh, she's in Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Season 3, Episode 13, called Life Support. She also appeared in The Bold and the Beautiful. Both of these, both Days of Your Lives and Bold and the Beautiful, she appeared in quite a few episodes. Mr. Richard Belding, played by Dennis Haskins. Another 86 episoder. He's got a ton of walk-ons before and after Saved by the Bell. I mean, this man was a working actor. Um, he appears on Seventh Heaven, Jag, Mad Men. What else we got here? How I Met Your Mother. Nice. Uh, he's got, I think he's got like almost 100 credits to his name. Pretty good. I don't recall ever seeing him anywhere else, but he's a guy that I could probably miss visually probably i think that might be the point of his walk-ups yeah. then we have kelly kapowski played by tiffany Thiessen. we have 75 episodes sometimes tiffany amber Thiessen. i think that's what she went by at the time oh it's possible because that's what i that's why when i just hear tiffany Thiessen, i think it sounds wrong she was also on beverly hills 90210 fast lane two guys a girl and a pizza place white collar i had a friend that was oddly into fast lane in senior year of high school I'll just go over to his house and we watch it. I don't know if I remember Fastlane. I don't remember anything about it either other than Graham really liked it. Lastly, Jesse Spano, uh, played by Elizabeth Berkeley, 75 episodes, you know, Showgirls, First Wives Club, Any Given Sunday. I should give Showgirls another watch because I love Paul Verhoeven. All I remember at Showgirls is uh, my cousin who's two years older than me, being very excited about like getting in to see it and then being super disappointed that it like wasn't anywhere near as porny as he was expecting. Yeah, because there was such a big him and Hall yeah. around it at the time. The last character I do want to mention is the filming location, which is Ulysses S. Grant High School at 13,000 Oxnard Street, Van Nuys, California. And let's talk that clueless freaks and geeks, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Good Morning Miss Bliss, Crazy Stupid Love, Saved by the Bell, that just so many of the school-type backgrounds. I believe, I think I saw uh, that episode of The Office was here, too. I'm looking at there. There's There are dozens of shows. This is ridiculous. Uh, how do kids find time to go to school there if they're so busy filming all these shows there? It It's absolutely ridiculous. The show is four seasons, five if you include Miss Bliss. This gets a little weird, as we'll discuss in a few minutes, but... Core series, four seasons. Season one is 16 episodes. Season two is 18. And then three and four are 26 episodes long. Season four got a little weird because evidently they filmed 13 episodes. 
culminating in a fine like a very finale episode which is entitled graduation where they graduate from high school and the series ends and then they suddenly said okay we're gonna do 13 more make it 26 episodes but they didn't sign on uh tiffany or tiffany and tiffany Thiessen and elizabeth berkeley had already decided to move on and did not come back they now had a situation where half of the episodes of season four leading up to this graduation episode wasn't going to have a third of the main cast in it. To fill that gap, they elevated some secondary characters, like brought in some of those fun kind of one-off characters and introduced a new girl character. Uh, Tori Scott in the television show by played by uh, Lena Creel. That'd be interesting enough. And then so, so, and so we got four seasons. Then the series ends and then we get a movie called Saved by the Bell Hawaiian Style, a TV movie. And then we get... Everybody's back for that one. Yes. And then we get a season of Saved by the Bell The College Years. It doesn't have Lisa or Jesse, but it has the other four. So we got the three, the three male leads and Kelly Kapowski. And that lasted a season, and then they wrapped it all up with The Wedding in Las Vegas, uh, another TV movie. And then there was a spinoff, Saved by the Bell The New Class, which got seven seasons from 93 to 2000. That show included Screech and Mr. Belding. And then eventually we come all the way to today and there's a reboot on Peacock TV that got two seasons, what did not get picked up past the second. And Netflix treats Saved by the Valley very strange. That's where Jeff and I both watched it, right? Uh, I watched the first episode in, that we watched. I think we started with Graduation. I did it on Netflix, but then when we moved on to the second one, I... I crapped off of it mainly because i was annoyed at how they structured how they put everything on there where'd you go for the second one i went to hulu for the second one oh, okay i didn't know Hulu was an option i would have just done that i hate netflix's pc interface it is a nightmare i just netflix breaks down the episodes where we go to graduation and all of the characters are there and then after that they decided everything that was filmed without kelly and jesse or, you know, Tiffany is another season six is another season for them, but it starts in the middle of the school year. At least Hulu has it broken down correctly. They actually put things episode order. So if you are going to watch this at home, you know, okay, don't use Netflix for it. Yeah. So Netflix includes as season one, Miss Bl- the good morning. Miss they Bliss. all do. Okay. But they don't include the pilot. I don't. We had to, we had to go find a terrible YouTube VHS rip. That made it very difficult to tell what you were, uh, who you were looking at. I think at. we watched it in like 240p. Yeah, that's as, and you know what? I mean, that was, I don't even think that was 240p. It was faithfully rendering 90p or something at 240p. And then so it's got season two, three, four, five, which would be the four seasons of the show. And then season six, as you said, season five has a graduation series ending very clear ending and there's just another season six of 11 more random high school episodes yeah whoever somebody so if you watch this on netflix you're it's gonna be very baffling when you get to the end of season five write them a letter make them fix it awards there are no awards awards nope regrettable the theme song's interesting and it shows kind of the that this is a 1988 show that uh, it's a very 1950s rock and roll intro for the cool 90s, 80s kids high school show. And uh, 
makes me think of Back to the Future and general 80s 50 throwback nostalgia that the song doesn't make a lot of sense, but it sounds good. So It does. I thought that was interesting. How do we pick the episodes? How do we pick the episodes? How do we pick the episodes? Tell me. <laughs> Don't keep me waiting like this. How do we pick the episodes? Highest and lowest. We use episode ratings. Like always. Dot com. We make sure we want to take the highest rated and lowest rated and kind of do a comparison. For Saved by the Bell, it's a very consistent show. A super consistent show. Yeah, surprisingly. Uh, there's, I mean, that average is what? Probably 7.9, maybe uh, an 8. There's less than one and a half points between the best and the worst episode. Yeah. And they're all they're all sitting around seven and a half and eight, so. Uh, the episodes we picked are season four, episode 26, Graduation, and season one, episode three, The Gift. 1.1 points from top to bottom. Our highest rated is 8.5. Our lowest rated is 7.4. That's pretty good. Well, starting with our highest rated episode, uh, Graduation. Uh, directed by Don Barnhart, who directed, honestly, a majority of these episodes. I think almost all of them. Written by Sam Bobrick, Scott Spencer Gordon, and Bennett Tramer. With graduation day approaching, Zach discovers he needs to gain one more credit to graduate. This results in Zach having to be in a dance class, the ballet class, and perform Swan Pond to get his last credit. Meanwhile, Jesse is excited to be named Victorian. Valid dictorian which she only receives because screech declines however she does soon realize how much valedictorian means to screech when lisa wisely tells her that he puts others before himself and that is the synopsis for our first episode graduation yeah and highest rated episode of the series which for a finale i'm impressed to see that i am too and you know what it as stupid as the plot line is, well, the Zach plot line, the Screech and Jesse plot line is actually pretty good. The episode plays great. Yeah. No, it's a, it's fun. It does the right amount of, as as our podcast name, the right amount of schmaltz and feelings in there. And they squeeze a lot of content into the 22 minutes. Yeah. Which, surprisingly, the pacing is good. Right? It, it deserves a tie rating. And so let's just go through our notes with no particular order. I think the musical stings in this episode are fantastic. Like, every one of them is good. And we'll pipe some in here. They're not... Uh, I noticed this, this series, for having a music composer, is very musically thin. It's kind of like just occasional scene transitions will get a, a little, you know, three-bar, four-bar send-off. <laughs> but in this one, it's all this, it's, it's all this great little, like, very 90s synth stuff. Which probably just helps with the flow of the episode. And the pacing, as I said, it, it's just very well done that they can get as much as they can into the episode. Especially without Zach doing any fourth wall breaking. Yeah, which is something that happens in the show. I mean, it, it happens regularly previously, but not in this episode at all. Well, fortunately, it doesn't really need to tell us what's going on because they can actually tell us what's going on with the, with the action of the show. Because a lot of times he's introducing what's happening. So they don't have to explain it in any more interesting way. And also maybe he's talking to the camera because it's a high school show and he's the cool guy. Maybe. He's the Ferris Bueller. I don't know. I will say the Swan Pond. I mean, I get what they were going for, but 
I'm not really sure that they basically give Zach an entire week to learn an entire ballet to get credit for this class, uh, which he doesn't even originally. There was no place for him. Yeah, so he found out he found out he's down a credit because he dropped a theater class in tenth grade, which no one noticed, I guess, until it was too late. Yeah, that guidance counselor for him was just great at their job. Yeah, I'd be furious at the counselor for that. Uh, and so Mr. Building's telling him he's got to take summer school. And then the three girls who are all, of course, in ballet. Because we start out with the nerds. The ballet is full of nerds. The only people who take ballet are, if they're men, they have to be horrific nerds. And then cool girls. Those are the only people who do ballet. My, my favorite part about the nerds is they look like they're in their mid-30s. The nerds are incredible in this. It's I, I it's kind of a problem. Uh, it's I don't think I've ever seen like outside of like Revenge of the Nerds such poor nerd stereotyping. Be prepared, be limber, and be on time. We'll be there, boys. Sure, we have. We watched that episode of Recess. Ever cool, Debra. <laughs> oh, that's true, but that was real. That wasn't stereotyping. That was real nerds. This is, uh, like, they're talking about pocket protectors and stuff in this. I think that's in the next episode that they talk about pocket protectors. But uh, the treatment of nerds in this is, is like, so out of touch with any sort of reality that it's, I think, honestly refreshing. Yeah, I mean, it's a big throwback. It's definitely late to mid-'80s type nerd. Well, we've got, I've, I've got the names for all of, our, uh, all of our nerds. There's Sylvester. Sly. Uh, there's Morgan. Because uh, we get to find out their names because they walk the graduation at the end. Yep. The only people who we get to see graduate are the four nerds and our main cast. And they do not hand out diplomas in alphabetical order. No, they do it. Up, I, it's, it seems to be by casting order. And then we've got the other nerds are, they call him Big Pete. It's Pete Stonebreaker. And then Ollie Creepley, who talks in this incredible, uh, like, croaking growl the dance class is doing swan pond i had a landlord that sounded do you did you ever meet my landlord when i lived in dc no you just told me about him he sounded exactly like that maybe that's who it was maybe but those so big pete pretends to have an injury so that he he goes and tells mr belding that he's injured while zach is in the office and then zach reluctantly takes his place to get the credit that he needs yeah because he always had a plan to you know to, yeah, to solve it out, because <laughs> Zach is a conniving nightmare. But one credit. Let, let's be honest, right? You could have written an ep- essay for one credit. Yeah, but oh yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's the only way. And you know, I probably would have gone for this. Just be in a ballet. Yeah, but he, he maybe don't lie about how much dancing you've done, because obviously that's not important. That's the worst part about this episode, though, is when they put on Swan Pond, and it's basically. Oh, I, I I disagree with you. I think that's oh fantastic. God. It's 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 because it's all the piano music, so it's like a two minute silent film, and slapstick silent. I mean, film. it is. They're all just falling down. Like when he when he runs out and just beefs it, and it like and it plays that like slamming into the kind of like basketball court sound. That's funny. I don't care. That's that's funny. I mean, Screech coming in in a chicken suit is actually I think a, the worst joke in it because if it was just and because because. Uh, Mario Lopez comes out and he does actual legitimate ballet very yeah, well. Th- I mean, the Mario Lopez part was great. I just didn't. That's so. That's so that great. Early, but he just like early falling where we just watched Gaussier, uh, just kind of like eat it multiple times. I just it 
I felt like that one was a little too over the top. And then going into the Screech stuff, the the Screech stuff was like you couldn't have found a better costume. You just found a chicken. Yeah. For Swan Pond. I think it's uh, I think the Screech jokes are kind of the laziest. Some sometimes they land and sometimes they aren't because they're very they're very lazy. When he goes into the office to talk to Mister Belding about being valedictorian, he's wearing googly eyed, springy googly eyed glasses. Uh, it's funny. But I think the chicken suit ruins another one is is the worst part of a good bit. We can disagree. There. That's fine. I'll, I'll I won't think less of you. Well, when they're done, we get our lovely little heartfelt moment, um, and then you know, yeah, where they realize that there's no next time, no next time, and that's when um, Lisa tells Jesse. She tells Jesse that Screech gave up being valedictorian for her, and then we get our a nice graduation scene where. Jesse then calls up Screech, and Screech then calls up Zach for some reason. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, I nominate you to give my speech that I didn't prepare for. On the other hand, I, Screech did not prepare a speech, and he is a socially awkward person. This, so. My favorite part about all of that, though, is literally Mr. Belding is sitting there just shaking his head like, yeah, this is normal in my school. Yeah. I don't care. They're leaving. He's, this is my fault. This is my fault. I've enabled all this. Which, to be fair, he has. I uh, There's a really good... Somewhere in the in this whole thing, there's one of those really good sitcom laugh track aws. I will say the laugh track in this is not objectionable. I, that's exactly what I was gonna say. Not same words. I was my specific was the laugh track in this doesn't make me want to turn the show off. Yeah, it's completely tolerable. It, it's actually in the right place. It's not overused, yeah. Uh, unlike a lot of, especially newer shows, when they feel the need to use the laugh track. And and I will say that we get a lot of this Piano Man this episode, which is interesting. There's a guy playing piano for Swan Pond. Yeah, the music teacher? And then he's playing Pomp and Circumstance at the oh, end. Oh, no, that's not the music teacher. That's the piano player or whatever, yeah. Yeah. That that drama teacher is great. Mr. Lazar. Yes. He's he's funny. He's like, he's like, all the nerds have the flu. I couldn't possibly put it on. And then they're like but what if I found anyone else? And he says, okay, yeah. <laughs> the show must go on. Okay. I love show business. Like this guy doesn't care about anything, but there's a, but so the, the guys playing, the guys playing pomp and circumstance playing piano at the end. And I saw on the wall in the halls, there's a band practice thing. It's like, where's the band playing pomp and circumstance is everyone's favorite thing to do. <laughs> and I, when I was, I, when I was watching it, I was wondering, I was like, is there a band in this? And, yeah, it would, and we see one in season one, episode three. We see their marching band with some like incredible. Oh yeah, the trombone epaulets. girl who comes down. Yeah. yeah. So there is a band. I guess they get out of playing pomp and circumstance, which. Uh, good for them. Yeah, good for them. That, that, that's sorry. I'm that may be a joke that uh, no one. If you've never had to play pomp and circumstance at a at a graduation, you may not realize that it is a never ending hell. <laughs> We both understand this joke. Especially, God, the euphonium part was so nothing. The trumpet part was fun, but boring. Oh, it's all boring when you play it eight times. But this is a good episode, and I, I can see why it's highly rated. I think all the things that are good about the show you get in this. Uh, I like. I enjoy the the part where Zach and Mr. Belding are, are sitting in his office, and they're both like, you know, deeply lost in thought about how sad it is that the ballet can't go on. Yeah, you... This is a great, well-rounded episode where if you've never seen Saved by the Bell, you get a bit of everything. You understand each character yeah. because the way it's written and it just flows well and you, you get it. And then we have our worst episode. The Gift. Season one, episode. Season one, episode three. 
directed by Dennis Erdman and written by Bennett Trainer or Traner. I assume it's Trainer. Tramer. Bennett Tramer, who did a lot of work on. He developed Saved by the Bell, the new class. He wrote 15 episodes of Saved by the Bell. And that seems to be about the last thing he did. He died? Uh, no. He just hasn't written again. I don't, I don't have any further information than that. It's just the last thing he... It's the last thing he last ever thing he did. Was saved by the Bell, the new class. Yep. Co-executive producer. I'll do the synopsis for this one. When Screech is hit by lightning, he gains the power to see the future, which Zack and his friend Slater use to their advantage. This is not a correct... This is another incorrect... Where'd you pull uh, these from? Are these from Netflix? We Let must me, have pulled on, them me... from somewhere, because we're supposed to write these, but we, we both dropped the ball on this part. I know. It's, uh, you've got a... Uh, shoot. Thankfully, these shows are not complicated no, enough. I don't know where I pulled this from. Oh, no, no, no. Did I pull this Did I pull this from episode guides? No. Where did I get these from? Let me, let me just see if I... Uh... Yeah, it's uh, Wikipedia. You know what? I'm never, I'm never taking the Wikipedia ones again. So Screech is hit by lightning and gains the power to see the future. Zack uses it to his advantage to take advantage of Slater. And then he fails. He comes up with a grand plan that blows up in his face. And then Screech is just fine? Did we get his recovery at all? He doesn't... He just recovers. Like, he touches a phone, or the cell phone or whatever, and it's his power okay. is gone. That's what it was. Okay. I, I think I might have been looking away from the screen for that second where he solved his problem. And yeah, if this is the worst episode of the series, that is, that is pretty good because this is not a terrible episode by any. It's fun means. actually, but it's not. It's got its moments. It's not as well written as, say, the graduation. Yeah. Uh, so my notes on here. So Slater and Zach Morris are obviously locked in some sort of betting prank war, where uh, Slater is constantly cheating. They're stupid bets too. He says like, "Who's the next person that's going to walk through that door?" And then Zach, Zach's an idiot. He's like, I'll give you my radio. And he just he guesses. He says, he says, I think Kelly's going to come through that door. And Zach, the the rube, says, oh, no, I know her schedule so well. There's no way she's going to walk through this door. Yeah, because he's a little creep. Yeah. He's like, I've been following around for years. And then she comes in saying, have you seen my sneakers? And Slater says, these sneakers? And so when they're taking down the his ham radio... <laughs> To get to give to Slater as a result of the lost bet, uh, screeches up on screeches up on the roof, taking the antenna down, I guess, and he gets hit by lightning. I wonder if do we see more of this ham radio in other episodes because uh, that'd be so much fun watching Zach Morris ham radio operator. I mean, probably not, but it would kind of be fun for him just doing stupid crap on the radio. Uh, but so as a result of getting struck by lightning. Screech suddenly can see about five seconds into the future. And he also conducts... There's some gags about him conducting, like he hands him the radio and he starts speaking German. Or he touches the TV or a light and it just turns on. Yeah. Which... So there's a lot of fun, there's a lot of fun visual gags in this one. And that's the... They, right, it's only like five seconds in the future or whatever it is. But then yeah. the whole main gag at the end is that they're trying to get the answers to a midterm... Uh, which we will talk about. Because, we we'll go into more yeah. detail on later. But like, Great. that's the the only part where he's like trying to see like several days in the future, comparative to like yeah. seven seconds in the future. Zach makes a grand bet with Slater that uh, he says whoever wins gets to be this the other it will be their slave for a week. And the bet is that he will get an A on the midterm for this legendarily hard teacher. 
Ah, yes. And we get a great long sequence where we meet that teacher and see why he is so difficult. And it is a fantastic sequence. Yeah, it's wonderful. I mean, I don't know how well it plays so the, for the rest of the series, like if it really fits in, but it is a great gag. Yeah. I so far I've noticed there's like this is a pretty good visual gag show from the two that we've watched between Swan Pond and this. There's someone thinking about it and trying things. For sure. Whether they all end, they're certainly going well, for and it. And this teacher. So this teacher, Mr. Testaverde, is played by John Mashita Jr., who is also known as Motormouth John Mashita and the fast-talking guy. Uh, he's a famous, incredibly fast talker. He did a famous FedEx commercial in the 80s and all those micro-machine commercials. The dramatically detailed, terrifically trimmed replica of the real thing that holds 25 micro-machines with fabulous, fantastic features. Two totally terrific elevators, real working hoist, one way, and two cargo arms. The new micro-machine aircraft carrier replaced that from Galoob. Remember, if it doesn't say micro-machines, it's not the real thing. And if you look him up, you'll understand. But so he's doing his bit where he's basically going through the Revolutionary War as fast as possible. And all the kids are sitting there, and they're trying to take notes as fast as they can, and, like, their books are starting to smoke. Screech has got two pencils, and, like, everyone is just looking so panicked, and it's a fun sequence. This guy is just yelling about the intolerable acts as fast as he can. It's great. It really is. And then uh, we get that a gross scene of Zach inviting Kelly over to study, and then uh, just, like, turning on romantic music and turning the lights down. Yeah, he's a little creep. Yeah trying to dance with her or he's like close your eyes and he gets in real close to try to do a kiss because yeah that's appropriate yeah and then the other girls climb in the window and take him hostage and force him to tell him tell them what they should study for the this exam that makes him so confident yeah they threaten him bodily harm which kind of makes up for him being creep yeah it doesn't but well no i think their reaction is fine their reaction is appropriate yeah i think they're the ones who are acting appropriately in the situation and then it turns out Screech is starting to get some mixed signals. Yep. And so they decide to... He Zach uses his rad 90s enormous cell phone uh, to place a series of calls between the teacher and Mr. Belding and to also flood the school a little bit such that the teacher is out of the way, Mr. Belding will give the exam, and then they've pro- he uses the provided questions that Zach has prepared. But unfortunately, the teacher is really excited to fix the leak that they told him about and he rushes into the school with a plunger and it all comes unraveling. Richard! George, what are you doing here? Well, my loyalty to school wouldn't let me stay home in time of crisis. Besides, plumbing is my hobby. Where's the flood? (laughs) Flood? What flood? And what happened to your laryngitis? Because he says, that's not my test. Yeah, he comes in looking like... He says, wait a minute, you called me Mr. Testaverde on the phone. He comes in looking like a blue Mario. Yeah, it's so funny. It's, it's like pumped to to work on the clog. They figure it out because Zach calls them Mr. Yeah, Zach called him Mr. Belding on the phone and called him Mr. Testaverde. Uh, and there's also a really good scene where Screech and Mr. Belding are talking and Screech is answering all his questions before he asks them. Good timing on that. Uh, Just a funny it... scene. Yeah, it's funny. They're both and like Screech is so stone-faced he's such a good straight man in that scene to be doing the ridiculous things that he's doing yeah it's good i find the screech gags in the show are a little bit the they can land or they they can't sometimes i think most of them in this episode definitely land so i don't know if maybe if it's an early season late season type thing because they don't really land at graduation sometimes they treat him like a weird alien 
Uh, and that goes a little too far. But I like this where he's, I mean, he's a weird nerd boy who can see the future. Yeah. But overall, I thought this episode was totally fine. I have nothing to really complain about. It was not painful at all. It still went down easy. Yeah. And no repercussions at the end. Oh, yeah. Zach has, Zach has committed not just academic dishonesty. I mean, he's considered, he's conducted like, committed three different acts of academic fraud simultaneously. Pretty much. And then so Slater asks him to order pizza, and he orders a, a stinky pizza with all the anchovies and hot peppers on it, which sounds great. The pizza he orders sounds delicious. I'd eat it. it to me as an adult. I love anchovies, though. Yeah, they're fantastic. I thought anchovies were a joke, and then I had them on a pizza, and I said, oh, these are amazing. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else I got. I got the fast-walking guy. Oh, this is the nerds you talked about previously where the, it is really over the top. They're literally arguing over, like, one nerd stole a pocket protector. the other nerd's pocket protector, yeah. Yeah, it's really, uh, it's very, like, classic nerd in a way that doesn't fit anymore. They're they're acting like George McFly, but they they live in the nineties. Yeah, it, it's yeah, it's the trope, right? Yeah, my only my last note about this episode, I didn't have a lot of notes about it. I because it was just a sequence of good bits, but I'm trying to read my own handwriting. I think it's Mister Belding says, "What kind of devious creature would make two prank phone calls?" But what kind of devious creature would make two fake phone calls? <laughs> And then they all turn in. I think everyone in the room turns and looks at Zach Morris. Yeah, and he gets away. There's uh, the episode ends, and that's it. That's it. Literally. I th- I think Slater's a little uh, a little less good in these earlier episodes. Yeah, they make him like uh, buffoonish almost. Because he's he's like cool. He's buffoon. like a buffoonish yeah. rival to Zach. That's Morris, exactly what it comes as across. opposed to the like the the guy who's wrestling between being macho and being good at dancing. Yeah. Like later on when he becomes like a real person, it's a lot more. It's a lot more interesting. He just doesn't have much going on in these first episodes because he's just like, hey, Morris, you want to do another bit? And that's episode three, right? So that's season one, episode yeah. three. And then we, our best episode is season four, episode 26, which is the very last episode. And if we're only going off those two episodes, the arc in between is good. Yeah. I like Mario Lopez. I like everyone in the show. I think they're all doing good work. I think everybody shows up definitely do their job it's just a typical teen television sitcom and i think this one is beloved because it all works it does all the pieces move together yeah there's not i would be interested to go back to some of the others that i remember less fondly uh i would love to go back parker lewis can't lose is one one show that i want to revisit very very strongly and see if that holds up at all we'll take a look i can't think of any others offhand but i know there's there's several of these high school shows, and they never quite get it right. There are dozens of these. <laughs> yeah, and then and then this one does. I don't know that it was the first one there, but it's it's the one that kind of like got it right, and then ended in four seasons, right? Uh, and actually ended in an appropriate way. Like you don't need to watch anything after the graduation. It did end. Well, how can you watch eight seasons of a high school yeah. show? It doesn't make any sense. And that's that's the problem with the new classes that they had to completely switch over the cast at some point because at some point it's unbelievable that this person is still in high school because you've watched them grow. You can actually see them changing. And, it, you know, they retooled all this for each retooling from the pilot of Miss Bliss to Miss Bliss to Saved by the Bell. You know, they, they definitely uh, took the correct 
approach. Yeah. And those are our episodes. If you know, if you want to watch them too, it's currently streaming on Peacock, Netflix, Hulu, Fubu TV, and I'm sure you can buy it in a multitude of other places. <laughs> Uh, do you have any new feelings about this show? I guess you didn't have any feelings before. I did not have any. And I mean, I guess my new feelings are that while I wouldn't go back and watch all of these, I definitely enjoyed what we did watch. Yeah, it's pleasant enough that I would not be upset if someone put this in. Yeah, I account. could, I can appreciate this now. But before I kind of, this was my joke TV. Like I would never, have, I'd be like, I'm not going to watch that. I, I would. Yeah. I'm not going to, but I would. You ever have one of those friends that they use like as the office as like social lubricant where you just put it on TV. Where are the turtles? This would be fine for that too. I think this would be good background noise to a dinner party. Yeah, where you're just kind of getting together and hanging out. Absolutely. When the fact that it has all these visual jokes that makes it you know easy to watch if you're not following the dialogue. So, do you have new feelings? Do I have any new feelings? I think I always had. I, there's a reason I I watched it in reruns fairly regularly, but not religiously, and it's that it's it's a good thing, but not a great thing. It is adequate. But I like it. Toys. Tell me about these toys. Um, there are six 12-inch figures of each of the teens released by Tiger Toys in 1992. They look dreadful. They look like early Barbies. Yeah. Screech's shirt is awesome. It's like a Japanese koi shirt, 90s koi shirt. Like, everything that these toys are wearing are things that I have considered buying on a Vaporwave store. They do look miserable, though. Like, Yeah, the the Barbie faces are not great. The best one out of these... Screech doesn't look like Screech. He looks like uh, Antonio Banderas. I think Lisa looks the best. Yeah. She like, looks like your character. Any additional fun facts? Uh, we have novels that were released. The 22 set, well, not set, but 22 novels were released by Box Tree uh, between 1992 and 1996. And there were five unofficial books also released between 1993 and 2017. Ooh, bootleg Saved by the Bell novels. We also got comic book series, the limited release by... Harvey Comics. That's it, Harvey. The people who brought you, you know, Casper, how many years ago? Casper and Richie Rich, the... Only the edgiest of... We only got five episodes of that. Yeah, uh, you've got a picture of it here in our document, and it does not look good. It looks like an old Archie comic. Yeah, don't insult Archie that way. You know what? The art style for Archie is better than this. You're right. Yeah. This looks like this looks like a bad Bazooka Joe comic. This is, Yeah, this is like they're going for something in between, like an actual, like a Marvel and Archie, uh, and it doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, and then my final fun fact is that the Miss Bliss pilot was directed by Peter Boners. A prolific director. With a Z. As fun as that name is. Yeah, but... he's actually great. I'm, I'm glad that he has a funny name because then I looked him up and appreciated his work. He did 29 episodes of Bob Newhart show and 93 episodes of Murphy Brown and tons of other beside. A lot of classic comedy. A lot, yeah. Well. Is this show nastier than Wolf Bronski? No. Agreed. And then we have to follow, you know, finish out with what do you rate this? Yeah, what is our rating? Oh. I will put this at an 8. No, an 8.5. Okay. Uh, it has a better 
flow and it is more casual than seventh heaven was so it's definitely got to be at least a point ahead of seventh heaven all right you know based on the things i've done before i've put myself in a strange situation here right where i have to say i have to say is this better than nightman at a nine i I say yes it's better than seventh heaven which i gave a seven i gave nightman a nine (laughs) foolishly in retrospect maybe because this is definitely better than nightman i mean you may disagree but no i think it is but you know how much how much better than it that is it? I'm gonna give it a ten. Ten out of fifteen. That is. Because a reminder, we are working on a fifteen point system here. Alright, that's saved by the bell. Next week, uh or two weeks from now, next episode, we will be covering a live action Ninja Turtles TV show. Ninja Turtles, the next mutation. I can't wait. This has been on my list for a long time. Uh, and remember, you can find us at www.90schmaltz.cool. We have an email. Questions, comments, likes, or other likes, you can send word to us at 90schmaltz, 90schmaltz at gmail.com. See you next time. We got to come up with a sign off. No, I like it when we do like miscellaneous crap all the time. One, two, three. Cause I'm sick by the bell. It's all right. It's all right. Thank you for coming to our final dance production of the year. And now the Bayside Ballet proudly presents the enchanting Swan Pond. <laughs> Maestro, are you ready? Ready, Mr. Belding. I recently watched the last Christmas we watched the movie Holiday in Handcuffs, uh, which is a movie where Melissa Joan Hart, Clarissa explains it all, takes Mario Lopez hostage to her family's cabin for Christmas. And then, uh, as you expect, it results in love. It's a it's it's honestly a pretty fun movie. I recommend it. It's a lifetime movie. I'm I'm. Sure. I'm I can't believe that it wouldn't be. If it isn't, it's a lifetime uh, alike. Whatever the good time. Well, it's from 2006, directed by Ron Underwood. All right. Well, it's great. I mean, it's not great, but it's fun. You could do worse. You could do. <laughs> you could do worse for your your Hallmark Lifetime Christmas movies. But I was listening to the. I through that uh, I came across in the How Did This Get Made podcast. They talk about his chest hair scandal, and I did the research on it myself, and. He got in trouble in 2010 because he told a magazine, he gave an interview and said, I'm naturally hairless. But then a magazine went and found pictures of him with chest hair stubble. And then everyone got so mad about it for about a month or two. That's the Mario Lopez chest hair scandal. I have never heard of that. That's because it doesn't matter. It's funny. It's funny now. So now when I search for Mario Lopez, it's Mario Lopez chest hair.